A lot of times these mold issues are hidden. They're behind the walls and you don't even know that they're there, especially if you've had a known water leak or intrusion. But if you know there's been one and you've got some health things going on or somebody in your family has, it's, it's really important to get to the bottom of that. Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I am joined with Dr. Ann Shippey. Dr. Shippey is on a mission to help create extraordinary wellness by using cutting-edge science, testing, and the latest genetic research to find and treat root causes, and not just the symptoms of illness. As a former IBM engineer, Dr. Shippey became frustrated that traditional medicine couldn't find answers for her own health ailments, so she left a decade in engineering to adapt her skill set to the world of medicine. She attended the University of Texas Medical School and has a thriving practice in Austin, Texas. She's board certified internal medicine and certified in functional medicine. Creating custom blueprints and real-world health solutions for those suffering from any combination of physical, environmental, genetic, and individualized health concerns, she insists on using science and personalized attention to treat the patient in totality and not just bandage symptoms. She's on a tireless mission to help create a world of wellness because every life matters. She's the author of two books, Shippy Paleo Essentials and Mold Toxicity Workbook, Assess Your Environment and Create a Recovery Plan. Hi, Anne. How are you? Great to be here. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, I, I enjoy talking to functional medicine, integrative medicine practitioners, and I always try to get a understanding and a sense of why they got into um, integrative and functional medicine. And for me, it was not too long ago where I got into the field of integrative medicine, functional medicine. I used to practice in interventional pain management. And then unfortunately, um, I was struck with illness with uh, stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And as I really discovered what this was all about, I determined that it was a culmination of factors that led to the diagnosis. It was more lifestyle than anything else. I wasn't eating right. I was stressed out all the time. I was working a lot, didn't have any coping strategies, didn't have a sense of community. All this was really um, that led to the diagnosis for me. So you have a very interesting story in terms of how you became a doctor and then how you went into functional medicine. I, my body's been my greatest teacher, actually. Yeah, I thought I was, uh, yeah, you know, basically blue blood kind of thing. I had a chemical engineering degree and then got my master's degree in manufacturing systems engineering. And I loved working for IBM and managing teams to do great things like get rid of chlorofluorocarbons years before they were mandated by the government. So I just thought I'd found my career path and I was really happy and loving it. And then I went on vacation one year and came back and my body was just really broken. And I went from doctor to doctor, did every test, every medication that was suggested. And even the band-aids didn't work very well to try to help me, you know, uh, feel better. I, I couldn't uh, keep any weight on. I was so skinny that people thought I had cancer. 
that I worked with. Um, and I was just hurt. My gut was just hurting all the time with no answers. And, but I had some faith in my body. I just knew that it could get better. So I started thinking out, it was before the internet. <laughs> so <laughs> I had, you know, I just started reading books and then I looked for integrative practitioners. I went to see a nutritionist, a naturopath. Uh, I drove several hours to see this immunologist that was uh, kind of practicing outside the box, um, you know, tried herbs, just everything that I could think of um, that might help my body to heal. And finally, I pieced together what needed to happen. So my gut started working again, and I could put weight on and feel good again. And I, by that time, I had gotten so fascinated with how the human body worked that I literally woke up one morning and decided I was going to go to medical school. Wow. <laughs> so but yeah, it's been a long haul, but it's been so worth it because I get to do the things that I love to do as an engineer and manager for IBM, but, um, you know, really make a difference in people's lives and hold that space for hope that people can really heal, even when their bodies feel pretty broken down. Right. And then as a, I, you were an internist for some time, and then something happened that switched you over into functional medicine, right? Yeah. So when I, when I finished my residency in internal medicine, I had a one-year-old <laughs> And a five-year-old. So my wow. body was kind of tired again. And I needed to stay in Austin. Um, there were at that point, there were like two integrative fellowships that I could have done. And it just really wasn't an option for me. But I knew I needed additional training. But um, I joined a small internal medicine group with two other women and really loved that too. But I, you know, I started realizing, oh my gosh, I'm in, I'm doing the medicine that didn't provide the answers for me. And I happened to get sick again. Uh -oh. I developed a couple of autoimmune disorders. Uh, one, Sjogren's syndrome that was so bad, I really couldn't have a conversation without a piece of gum in my mouth and I couldn't wear my contacts anymore, that kind of thing. And then also then my lab work showed that I had antiphospholipid antibodies. So, you know, I was at risk for having a stroke. Right. Um, so right at that time was right when, um, it was about 16 years ago, right when functional medicine was starting to be on the map, like you could find them. <laughs> right. And so I, I went and did the, the trainings that I could do with them. And then several months later, I was armed to start my own practice to be able to, to do, do what I do now and, and start to see that when the body has everything that it needs, you know, all the nutrients and managing stress and not being overwhelmed by environmental toxins and um, you account for any little genetic glitches that you have that you really can be super healthy. Right. Was your, the second bout of illness, was that related to something that you had initially years before? I think it was mildly related. Okay. Um, just autoimmune in general. Yeah, I think I didn't realize at that point with it. So it turned out that I had a celiac disease that had gotten oh. triggered by a parasite that I had picked up on my vacation. Got it. So even once the parasite was gone, um, the I still had some cilia in my gut and, it, and the antibody test didn't show um, the issue. So... Um, I, you know, I think there are a lot of people with low grade celiac that aren't getting diagnosed like that's, but I didn't understand at that right. point how 
meticulous I needed to be to keep the autoimmune issues at bay. And then I think my body had just really filled up with environmental toxins. So I had a mouthful of amalgam fillings. I had, even though IBM was really careful about the chemical exposures, I still had quite a bit. Um, And then I just didn't know that things like aluminum foil, aluminum cans, aluminum deodorant, that, um, you know, you shouldn't spray your house with pesticides. I'd lived in a couple of new houses that were newly built. So there were the, um, the paint and the carpet and all that outgassing. So I think it was just, it was just a tipping point for my body after all right. those years of stress. I think my body was probably pretty depleted from having <laughs> two babies while two, doing that right. school residency. So it just was the perfect storm. But I, I, I'm so grateful for that because it, it helped me find my path that I had totally changed my life for, um, that I might've had to wait another, you know, five or 10 years to find before they really, before functional medicine really became prominent. And, um, it helped me to understand that you can totally reverse autoimmune diseases. Like they, they can just go away if you find the right pieces of the puzzle to help each individual. And even though it was really scary at the time, I was like, oh my God, I, I'm not taking those medicines. No, <laughs> you know, I know. Like, those band-aids are not for me. Um, right. uh, and there was that, you know, those months of uncertainty of how's this all going to go down, um, very, very grateful for it. It's absolutely amazing. Now, now you're dedicated your whole life and career to helping those who have health issues that were similar to yours or health issues that haven't been able to be treated by conventional medicine. So it's great. And, and you know, I applaud you and everyone else who, who enters the field of integrative medicine and devote their life to providing services in integrative medicine and functional medicine to people. So it's great. One of your specialties um, and expertise, you have so many, is mold toxicity. And I really want to take a more of a deeper dive into mold toxicity. Like what exactly is mold toxicity and like, why is it so dangerous? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. It's so important because it's, I think it's a hidden epidemic in our country and, and actually many other countries as well. And that was my next learning <laughs> from my body. I, um, a few years into my functional medicine practice, I started getting really sick again. I was losing my hair and great. Oh, wow. And I, by Monday morning, I was so tired. I could hardly get out of bed, you know, when I should be rested. And I had so much pain in my body and you as a pain specialist can appreciate this. Like I was, I had so much pain. I didn't want my kids to hug me. It was so uncomfortable to be hugged. And I started having neurological symptoms. I, I had so much weakness in my right arm that if I had a full glass, sometimes it would slip out of my hand. So I had gone to a an environmental health conference about a year before and learned that there was something called toxic mold. So I realized, oh my gosh, I'm missing this in some of my patients. And around the time that I started getting sick, we had had a bunch of big rainstorms here in Austin, mm. but I still didn't put two and two together <laughs> that that was what was causing my issue. So mold is, um, you know, it's something that we need on the planet. It breaks down things that need to be degraded. But when it's in an indoor space or high amounts in our food, the byproducts that mold makes from its 
process of living, uh, it can make two things, one called mycotoxins, um, and then the other would be called MVOCs, and those are the, the odors that you can sometimes smell from mold. But these mycotoxins, there are thousands of them. Some of them are really dangerous and some of them are not um, that dangerous. But they, because there's so many, it's like, study, it's a chemistry study because it's so many different things. So the different mycotoxins can cause different issues in different people, but it basically starts to poison your immune system, how well your liver and kidneys can work, how well your mitochondria can work, the little organelles inside the cell to make energy. It can damage the cell membrane so that the chemical messengers in your body don't work very well. So it really can affect almost every system in the body. So increase the risk for infection, increase the risk for cancer, and cause some pretty severe neurological issues. And even it can be a trigger for the autoimmune diseases too. So, you know, it used to be kind of my diagnosis of last resort. Like <laughs> I do all the other things that right. I knew how to do first and then go to mold. But now, if I get the sense that somebody like, you know, the puzzle pieces are adding up to mold is an important piece of this, we go, go right there. And then a lot of people hear me speak or, you know, read things that I've written and they're like, oh, okay, that might be, that might be me. And, and actually reach out to me to, to help them with their mold. Right. And you were inflicted by this. And so it took you some time to determine that this was the cause of this illness that you were experiencing. Was anybody else in the household um, facing this type of issue as well? Such a great question. So I think I was the most susceptible because I probably still had more work to do to help my body mm. to detoxify. So basically my barrel had filled up a little bit of metals, a little bit of chemicals, a little bit of um, pesticides, all those kinds of things. And so I think my tipping point was probably more severe, but it did affect my kids too. Wow. So one, it really affected his mood. And the other one, it, it affected his capacity to, to learn. So about the time that I was really getting sick, uh, his third grade teacher was really complaining about his behavior. So anytime she'd try to start to teach a new concept, it would be so upsetting to him how it, it felt for him to learn that he would get agitated. You know, sometimes he'd have to like physically roll around on the floor, get out of his seat. Um, and he, he also had a lot of sensory issues. So um, we could never get tennis shoes on him. He just wore Crocs. We had to oh, cut wow. the, we had to cut the tags out of his, um, his clothes. And he had a really short, just a really short fuse. Anything that frustrated him, it would, you know, really get upset. So this is in a November timeframe. By the time we did, you know, went through the holiday, got moved, went through the holidays, had the follow-up with the teacher in February. She's like, everything's fine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it was more in retrospect for, for the kids. I didn't realize that it was affecting them. And that often happens with families. Like one person is generally much more affected than affected. From, than the others, but then either once they've remediated or moved, um, we see other benefits from the other family members. Mm -hmm. And you moved as a result of this exposure or was it just a kind of a coincidence that this happened? Oh no. Uh, so my story is, you know, I went, I, I got on the phone, I, it's, you know, sometimes it's hard to see right in front of your face. So even though I and it started to see a little bit of signs of some that there had been some water intrusion, both in my office and in my house. Um, 
I didn't know that that's what was causing it. I had gone to see all my, you know, traditional medicine um, people that I really trust in Austin. I had called my colleagues, a couple of colleagues around the country that I really trusted and nobody had any idea what was going on with me. And this is just grace. One of my patients that I had helped with um, getting um, recovered from multiple chemical sensitivity came in one day and I thought I had everything all together. You know, I looked like everything was fine, you know, makeup on, right. <laughs> you know, just, um, so at that time I worked at a round table um, to see my patients and she was doing great. She leaned across the table and she's like, Dr. Shippey, I think you're being affected by a mold called Teutomium. She's just a really intuitive, you know, she must've been just watching me very closely right. and intuitively. And she had been affected by mold in the past. And she told me about it, you know, over the time that we had been working together. So she leaned across and she's like, what time do you get off work today? <laughs> and I'm coming to your house because I can sense it. I get some symptoms in my body when I get re-exposed. Like, okay, you're right. I, something's going on with me. 5.30, I'll meet you there. She walked in and within a few minutes, she did not feel well in the house. Oh my gosh. She's like, this is definitely Cheetomium. And she's like, yep, you can't sleep here. You can't be here. Don't take anything with you that can't be, you know, totally washed down and, you know, get your kids out of here. And so I did. I, I'm fortunate that my parents <laughs> took me in for a few weeks while I figured out where I was going to move to and what I was going to do. And I really found that um, I had to totally simplify my life. There were things that were so affected from being in that mold for years that I couldn't, I couldn't clean them. I couldn't take them with me. But Fortunately, by really, I learned so much about how to detoxify and treat mold very quickly by what worked on my body and what didn't. So yep. there's a lot of people who use cholestyramine. Cholestyramine just made me worse. So, and I had to look for other things that worked. And now I have a really nice toolkit of things right. that can, can really help people get better really quickly. So I really started recovering very fast after yep. I got out and and boosted my mitochondria and helped my detox pathways work better. It's interesting. So you probably had some exposure for a, a long duration of time. When you would leave home or that, during that a few weeks of time when you were with your parents, did you get better or was it the damage done you know, was so profound on your body that it needed just more than being away from the area of, of, of toxin exposure? Yeah, I wasn't taking any chances. You know, I... I just, it just made sense to me. You know, my uh, immune system was um, screaming the alarm bells. Mm -hmm. So I needed to address the immune system. And then, um, especially with the neurological things, I knew my mitochondria were, uh, right. were impacted. And so, you know, it was definitely some trial and error over months. But, um, you know, I would say within seven or eight months, I could lift my purse again. I didn't have to worry about dropping things. I, um, you know, could work out again. And then within a year I could, you know, I had full strength back, you know, swing a tennis record and, right. and that kind of thing. And obviously your exposure was probably on the spectrum of, of moderate to severe. What are some common symptoms that people should look out for the spectrum of mold exposures? 
Yeah, so so it can really be any system in the body. So um, if you feel like your um, your mood is off more than normal, so like that short fuse that I was talking about, um, feeling more anxiety, uh, depression, OCD, um, some of these odd neurological things. Like I, you know, I I really thought I could have ALS because I also have a lot of muscle cramping and twitching. Um, so those are things to look out for, uh, hormonal imbalances. So if you're, you know, having symptoms of menopause when it shouldn't be, you know, when you shouldn't be either it's too early or too late, uh, kind of crazy skin rashes. Like there's not a good answer for a, a skin rash, um, digestive symptoms. So a lot of people will get a feeling of heartburn, nausea, even diarrhea, abdominal pain when they're around mold. Um, oh, then I had to have another experience. With oh gosh, mold a few. It's okay. My body, like <laughs> I, I even had COVID. COVID. <laughs> I had to learn about COVID from getting it, which is great because now I know what to do for people with COVID. Um, so I, I think I had kind of minimized the pulmonary symptoms that come that can come oh. with um, with mold. So I developed asthma for the first time in my life. So like all of a sudden, 95% of buildings that I went in, I would feel short of breath, you know, like I couldn't breathe. Um, so that <laughs> that's, if you have new onset asthma, a lot of these um, chronic sinus infections can also be from mold. So it's, it's a lot of different issues. And then there's a lot of associations with cancer, you know, and, um, and really, disrupting the immune system that way. It can disrupt mm-hmm. the immune system with, with developing autoimmune disorders, especially things like um, the thyroid. And then also just depleting the immune system so you're more likely to get infections. It, I mean, there's a lot, it's a constellation of symptoms. So there's a lot of different disease processes that actually have very similar constellation of symptoms. When should we test ourselves for mold toxicity, you know, when should that be at the forefront of our thoughts when we're feeling ill? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, if you're having some kind of constellation of those things, combinations of those things, um, you know, odd neurological things, new onset gastrointestinal things when you can't find another source of it, uh, this, the, Skin, oh, mast cell activation, where you know people are having a lot of histamine reactions. Um, I I go there a lot sooner now because I just think I don't want people to wait till they they they're falling off the cliff. Makes sense. Yeah. So and then of course, you know, a lot of times these mold issues are hidden. They're behind the walls, and you don't even know that they're there. But especially if you've had a known water leak or intrusion, you know, the toilets overflowed or. Um, there's been a little roof leak. You know, if you know there's been one and you've got some health things going on or somebody in your family has this, it's really important to get to the bottom of that. Um, in most places in the country, if a leak isn't dried within 24 to 48 hours, there will be mold. Now drywall has usually has some deposits of mold spores in it. So it just needs to get a little wet, have a chance to grow. And then even if the leak is stopped, that desiccated mold in that um, wall or wood can still be dispersing some of the mycotoxins and the mold spores. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctor2patient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. And what if you go through um, a remediation process after a leak's been discovered? Um, you know, say it's been after a few days, you know, or maybe even a week, and you know, you see that the the seeping of the water by the wood and the drywall is, is elevating. And is the remediation process with the humidifiers and the drying is that sufficient to remove the source of the mold, or is it too late at that time? Yeah, I I feel like it's too late. In fact. You know, in the last couple of years, there have been a couple of things that have happened in my office and, um, you know, immediately we take off the floorboards, rip up any flooring and, um, and get the dehumidifier in there. And, and, um, you know, the one time that it was, you know, we didn't realize it for 48 hours because it happened over a weekend, we just ripped all of the drywall out. Right. Because it's just not worth the risk. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. Yeah. For for a diagnosis purposes, I mean, it, you were talking about earlier that there is like you know over sixty or so mycotoxins to test for. What do we do? I mean, if if we're suspecting a mold exposure, what's the diagnostic process that a person goes through? Yeah, so it can you know a lot of this isn't covered by insurance, so a right. lot of it depends on what the budget is because mold gets really expensive. I like I'm still recovering from my, my mold, <laughs> mold issues, you know, getting rid of everything. And, um, cause when you're that sick, you do what you need to do. Um, and then remediating or moving those kinds of things. So, um, just knowing there's going to be budgetary constraints for most people. Sometimes we'll do things sequentially. And sometimes if somebody's really sick, we'll just do, you know, just go for it. Um, so I like to use two different tests to look for mycotoxins. Um, they're two different technologies. And so depending on how a person's detoxification pathways work, um, I get different answers. And it's kind of like a Venn diagram, right? So the bigger uh, scope I can get, the more I can make sure that I'm not missing something. So um, <clears throat> they're both urine tests. So uh, one is called Great Plains Laboratory, and they have the most... Uh, broad list of mycotoxins that I can look for. And then the other one's called real-time lab. And um, with real-time lab, what I like to do is a glutathione challenge. So I have people do the urine collection with without glutathione, just kind of a random test. And then I have them take glutathione, a large dose of liposomal glutathione, and then retest their, um, in about eight hours and see how much additional toxin comes out because some of us that are 
most susceptible to mold toxins don't make glutathione very well, which is one of the main things that helps to get rid of a lot of different chemicals and heavy metals. And so then that also gives me an idea about treatment. Mm -hmm. When we see it really low on the baseline testing and then it goes up, I know, okay, good. I've got, can give them got a tool that's really yeah. going to help them get their the toxins out of their body. Um, and then sometimes we were colonized or infected with mold. So I'll do some samples that help with that. Like, um, and a lot of times people have gotten some mold in their sinuses or in their gut. I don't have a great way to get their lungs. Um, there's also another urine test that checks for some of the other byproducts of, um, of mold that can help to identify the, the colonization infection kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I just, um, Sometimes um, one of the tests that I do, I actually have to send off to Germany. Oh, wow. So one of my patients was feeling like she was uh, not recalling things very well. So she's in her, in her, her um, uh, mid to late 60s. And she's like, yeah, I just can't find the words as well. And um, I don't feel like my brain's working as well. So we sent this test off on her and she had some aflatoxin, one of the mycotoxins sitting on one of her um, APOE genes that was then affecting her brain. So we did a bunch of treatment to help to detoxify her. And um, it, within seven months, we rechecked that test. The, um, the epigenetic marker from the aflatoxin was gone and she was, her memory was working great. She was recalling names and words and everything much better. So um so we have a lot, that to be said, there, we have a lot of tools in our toolbox that can really help us to, mm -hmm. to um, look at what the impacts of mold are. And then one of the biggest issues is actually finding the source of the mold. So a lot of the um, ins mold inspectors are not very rigorous about the testing. They've been doing it for years and they really don't fully understand the health implications of mold. So they're not using the latest technology and being able to test for what's going on in the house. Um, and I feel like part of my job is retraining inspectors <laughs> that I have working with my patients because they need to understand, hey, we know there's a mold exposure. You need to help us find it. Right. Um, so there, a lot of them are still just doing these air samples that don't pick up some of the worst molds because their spores are, are really large and they just don't float in the air very well. Right. Um, so what I, we do need to do some of those air samples, uh, you know, to make sure that we, we don't miss something, but using, uh, dust in, in the house and checking it both for microtoxins and for, uh, the DNA of the, of the molds really gives us a, a better view of what's going on in that um, building. So what I, what I recommend to people is if you bring a mold inspector in, and they're not wearing protective garb, you know, if they're not wearing a respirator and, uh, um, you know, covering themselves with the protective um, clothing, right. they don't understand what they're... The health um, implications, right? Yeah, like that, to me, that's one of the most dangerous jobs there is to go into these buildings that are more than likely moldy and they're not taking care of themselves. It's very right. dangerous to be, you know, opening up these air conditioning units and, you know, putting probes into walls that are suspicious and, um, and, and not making sure that they're not getting a huge exposure. So that's one of the tips on selecting an inspector. 
Yeah, that's a great tip. Uh, obviously, some of the the treatment involves mechanical, where you have to get the inspectors in to find the source of the mold, and then obviously go through the process of removing and drying and so forth, and eventually might have to move. But for you were talking earlier about um, a glutathione challenge, and um, I, I'm a big glutathione fan, but I wanted to talk more about that as that's one of the ways we can treat and improve our detoxification systems. But in general, like, can you go over and, and give us like a broad overview of glutathione? Yes, glutathione is something that we make in our bodies. Um, we can get, that's it's a, one of the most powerful antioxidants. Like I think it's even really beneficial to be on right now with all the COVID going on because it really helps the immune system to work better. It helps to, you know, directly, it helps to reduce inflammation. And we know inflammation is our enemy for lots of things, but especially <laughs> with COVID going on. And then um, it helps to sift out those toxins, a lot of toxins. So I give my um, desert island list. <laughs> I could only pick a couple of supplements, but what I pick, and that would be one of them because I know genetically my body does not make glutathione optimally, but then a lot of people have a low glutathione just because of the daily expo little exposures that they have that they don't realize that they're having from environmental toxins. So it just gets depleted. Right. And and are you, I know glutathione can come in a multitude of forms, plus there's precursors that you can take that will convert into glutathione. What's the optimal way of, of getting glutathione for ourselves um, externally? Yeah, I find that most people do best with a liposomal form of glutathione, which just means that instead of digesting it and breaking it down into its components, it gets absorbed in the right molecular structure to go to work right away. So um, they're, I'm really picky about the brands. There are three brands that I love. Um, the brand that I um, have for my company, it's Every Life Well. And then there's one called ReadySorb and then one called uh, Research Nutritionals. And, and what I love about these is that um, they're doing the research on it. Like they use, they have research projects that are going on with universities and that kind of thing to just, really helps show the effectiveness of, of glutathione treatment for different mm. things. And would you say that that is as effective as intravenous glutathione? Yeah. So sometimes I actually like to use them combined. So okay. the liposomal, what it does, and I'm using my hand, so people that are listening, <laughs> you can't see my hand. So what it's doing is raising your baseline level. So it gives you a steady state. What an IV does is it gives you a little burst. That burst gets uh, utilized really quickly when it's done IV. So if I have to pick one or the other, I'd rather people just do the liposomal. But then if you can also um, uh, get in for the, the little boosts with the IVs occasionally, I think that can be helpful too, especially when you're in more of a crisis mm -hmm. or if you're getting a proactive IV for some other reason. And is the glutathione that's given intravenously, is it um, gone because our body just uses it because we're so depleted on a regular basis? Well, and it's just once it gets into the bloodstream like that, it just, yeah. If you look at the curves, it just, um, you know, yeah, very quickly gets utilized. Mm -hmm. Is there a specific dose you recommend if you're doing liposomal versus um, an intravenous, you know, bolus infusion? 
Yeah. Um, you know, just depending on the patient. So the more sensitive a person is, the, the slower we start and very carefully ramp up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I might start as low as, um, you know, 50 to hundred milligrams and then just gradually see how they, how they do. So, you know, with the liposomal, we can use a few thousand sometimes and right. either all at once or, kind of split out during the day and everybody's a little different. So it's, a, a, you don't want to have somebody do too, too much of a dump too off often. So just kind of working with the individual person to, to see what they feel best on and what they tolerate. And I'm assuming after like this an infusion or, you know, some sort of maintenance that there's going to be a continuous detoxification effect as a result of the administration of glutathione. Yes. Yeah. And then um, I really think for most people, it's important to have some kind of binders that we put in um, to kind of uh, tidy up, you know, scavenge up anything that's uh, been released. So I like to use um, a modified citrus pectin, some clay and charcoal. Um, Again, everybody's a little bit different, but most people, if they add those in, that works as well. infrared saunas for great for a lot of people you know sweat it out a little bit and then make sure you shower off right away so it doesn't get reabsorbed there's some really good data on hyperbarics uh, really helping to augment the excretion of toxins in general but also specifically for mycotoxins so there's a lot of um, avenues that we can put together to help the body you know, significantly get that toxic load down very safely. If I just want to caution people because a lot of people think, oh, well, it's a good thing if you have a detox reaction. That means it's coming out. Well, to me, we want to avoid those because that means that there's, um, you know, an overflow into a place that it shouldn't really be going. So I think about detoxification as being like a series of dams. And if you open up one too much, you're going to flood the others. So we need to be careful about opening things up. So one of the key things too, is making sure the gut's healthy. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you need to be working on having a good, healthy gut. Um, you know, things are moving daily and there's not any pain or inflammation so that you don't end up just reabsorbing what your body's worked so hard to get rid of. Right. That's awesome. That's a great overview of how to treat, but for practical sake, when people are looking to purchase a home, rent a new apartment, or um, looking at a new office, like what should we do and look out for? You know, if there has been mold exposure that's been present or in the past that's been covered up or semi-remediated, how do we know? You got a test, and sometimes you, you know, in Austin right now, the market is so hot; it is hard to get a, a long enough period to do that testing so that you got it back to not lose your deposit. So, you know, just look for the obvious signs, you know, look at the air vents, see if there's anything growing on them. Look around all the windows, look under the, the, all of the sinks around um, any of the doors, make sure that the grating around the house, like there's not some uh, landscaping that's above grade and sprinkler systems hitting the house um, you know, walk up in the attic and make sure that there's not anything that looks like it's leaked. 
So a lot of times just in that more detective visual inspection, you can find the suspicious things. But if it all looks super clean, then you've got to get a dust sample. So there are several companies that you can order your own kits from. Um, Real-time lab does environmental testing. Um, there's a lab called EnviroBiomics that you can order your own swabs. And then a company called Home Biotics, which is a probiotic for the house. They've just oh, released cool. um, a, t- a test that they can do as well. So, um, you know, they're all pretty good, um, but I would, I would definitely try to do the dust testing that's looking for the presence of the DNA of the mold and a mycotoxin test. To look this, is all, the- this is all do-it-yourself type of test, right? You don't need a professional to do this. Right. You can do it yourself um, or find a professional that uses that the, the right tools. Yeah. But it's right. sometimes in some areas, it's really hard because they just haven't caught up with the technology. Yeah. Right. Uh, this has been fantastic. Where can people find more about you and what you do? We are putting out <laughs> information that, that I think is important um, every week on anshippymd.com. And then also Instagram and Facebook, anshippymd. It's pretty easy to find me. I, I would love it for people to watch my uh, TEDx talk that I did um, this last uh, year on how you can teach your genes how to behave. That's a um, blog on the website. What I want people to know you know, we're talking about once people have already gotten sick kinds of things here, but there's so much that you can be doing on a day-to-day basis that can make a tremendous impact in the trajectory of your health by helping your genes how to, how to do the right things. And it's just the day-to-day things that can be so powerful to keep you healthy. Right. This is such great information to have. And I'm going to make sure that we put all the information about your website and you and your books, as well as all the great pieces of information you've given us on our, on our show notes. So thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I hope to see you in a few months at the conference. I hope so too. I look forward to meeting you in person. You're doing such a great service by getting such good information out. Thank you. Thank you very much.